Well, yesterday's game obviously did not go the way that Tennessee would have liked it to go, but don't worry, Vols fans. Over the course of the next few minutes that I have here, I'm going to give you plenty of reasons as to why there is still plenty of room for hope and optimism moving forward. First of all, welcome everybody to this Sunday special edition of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast. I hope you all are having fantastic Sunday evenings so far. And yes, I'm going to come right out with it and address the elephant in the room, so to speak. And that is, of course, the Tennessee-Georgia game from yesterday. Obviously, Tennessee had all seemingly all of the all of the momentum excuse me in the world going for them after spending the previous few days as the number 1 football team in the country they are of course no longer the number 1 football team in the country obviously after yesterday's uh, butt kicking, so to speak, and I do, I do sort of think that the game was a little, maybe a little more lopsided than the final score would indicate. Tennessee, of course, lost the game by a score of 27 to 13, and Again, it's obviously a tough loss for the Vols because, as I mentioned, going into that game, they did have really all the momentum in the world on their side, but they not only ran into some inclement weather, so to speak, which is, of course, really no excuse for losing a game in the grand scheme of things, but they also ran into the buzzsaw that was the Georgia, was and is the Georgia Bulldogs defense. And obviously, I guess I'm going to reemphasize this because this is a tough loss for the Vols as they fall to Eight and one. Georgia, of course, moves to nine and zero, and is now completely in the driver's seat in the SEC East division. Uh, the SEC West division had a pretty big shakeup after last night's LSU Alabama game in Death Valley. God. Saturday night in Death Valley never disappoints, does it? But I'm going to touch on that game a little bit more in detail here in a minute. But before I move on to why there are still plenty of reasons for hope and optimism for the Vols, I want to touch on 
I guess what Georgia's defense did to Hendon Hooker, which was based in layman's terms, uh, make him not play very well, so to speak, and obviously he did miss, Hendon Hooker did miss a lot of throws in yesterday's game. And they, they being Georgia's defense, made Hendon Hooker look a little bit more human, frankly, than he has looked over the course of the previous eight games leading up to Saturday. And Georgia was by far the toughest test that Hendon Hooker has played all season, and I say that fully aware of the fact that Tennessee, of course, played a defense and a team that is coached by Nick Saban, of all people, and still found a way to put up 52 points. But I think that... This is going to be a really good sort of reality check for Hendon. I think it is going to humble him in a lot of ways. And certainly yesterday did not help Hendon Hooker's case for the Heisman Trophy by any means. But I do think that he is mature enough to find a lot of things to learn from as he absorbs the film from yesterday's game and he's going to say to himself, I need to go back to the drawing board and sort of learn from this and take what I've learned from this and apply it to this week's game, this upcoming week's game against Missouri. But switching gears to sort of the broader scheme of things, obviously yesterday, at least for a one and a half to two hour long period, yesterday was not, at least in terms of that one and a half to two hour period, it was not the best time in the world to be a Tennessee fan, especially for me. But then I flipped the channel over to NBC and I see that Clemson, who was ranked, was ranked number four in the college football playoff rankings, is getting absolutely boat raced by Notre Dame. And for those of you who uh, may not be following me on social media, I did make the statement that I was sort of cheering for Notre Dame through clenched teeth because mainly because of my hatred for 
a lot of the bias that is associated with Notre Dame, as I've said numerous times. But if if it meant that Notre Dame beating Clemson was going to help Tennessee's chances in the college football playoff hierarchy in any way, then, you know, as the saying goes, you got to do what you got to do. And so I was rooting pretty hard through those clenched teeth for Notre Dame last night. They, of course, ended up beating Clemson in a by a boat racing score of 35 to 14. And so that is a pretty big victory for them. As far as Notre Dame is concerned, obviously they're not going to be mentioned anywhere near the college football playoff race in any way. But the win last night really almost made everybody forget about the fact that they lost to Marshall in week two. I say almost because that loss is still very brutal. But last night's Notre Dame-Clemson game and the final score at the end of it was just one of those things that made me as a Vols fan kind of shake my head a little bit and go, huh, I'm starting to like the way the rest of the day is going. And then later that night, the icing was put on the proverbial cake, so to speak, with LSU knocking off Alabama. And, of course, I mentioned at the beginning of the show how there's really nothing like Saturday night in Death Valley, as they call it. And last night was certainly evidence of why that is the case. Uh, LSU, of course, did pull out a 32-31 to victory. Which is crazy when, when you start to think about it because at the end of regulation in that game, I see Brian Kelly make the decision when they, they being LSU, had the ball with 21 seconds left, and I believe they still had two timeouts left. And Brian Kelly decides to take a knee and play for overtime. And I, th- I thought, here we go again, Brian Kelly. We're being that guy again. And not playing for the win, which is kind of how Tennessee was able to beat Alabama by a score of 52-49 to in regulation because Tennessee decided to play for the win and not to play for overtime because it is not, as I'm sure many of you are aware, 
it is not the smartest decision to play for overtime, really in general, but especially against a team that has the defending Heisman Trophy winner playing quarterback for them in Alabama. And so I was a little caught off guard by Brian Kelly's reasoning and started shaking my head. And then, of course, at the end of overtime, Brian Kelly decided to give me and all of his other doubters out there the proverbial middle finger and, of course, find a way to win the game 32-31 to in overtime. So, to summarize this game, I guess it's a big win for LSU, obviously, because it means that the Tigers now find themselves in the driver's seat for the SEC West title because they now have wins against both Alabama and Ole Miss. But to add a cherry on top of the proverbial cake that I mentioned that has already been iced down due to LSU beating Alabama the last night, the cherry on top of that cake comes in the form of Alabama with that loss, and this is me speaking as a Tennessee fan now, Alabama with that loss last night now has no chance of making it into the college football playoff. No chance. And it's just really enjoyable for me as a Tennessee fan to consider the fact that Tennessee now has a easily much better chance of making the college football playoff than does Alabama. And, you know, you, you have to give credit to Alabama for the way they played in that game, I guess, last night and the, the toughness that they showed. But they were, of course, not the winners of the game last night in layman's terms. And just to sort of give a final tribute to Alabama and their college football playoff hopes or lack thereof. I will leave them with this. Oh yes. Oh 
Ah. Uh, just beautiful, isn't it? But anyway, all joking aside, let, let me move on really quick to my updated college football playoff rankings. And of course, the, these are the official Jim Bratton Sports Podcast college football playoff rankings that you may remember I uh, released the first version of last week prior to, or I guess it would technically be this week, uh, prior to the committee's unveiling of theirs. And so I have an updated version of them for this week, obviously. And number one is obviously going to be the Georgia Bulldogs having knocked off Tennessee in pretty dominating fashion uh, yesterday. I'm not going to get too far into detail about, about that because number one, I've already done it, and number two, I really just don't want to have to do it again. But, again, all joking aside, uh, I have to sort of tip my cap to the defending national champs for the job that they did in yesterday's game, and... Obviously, not only the Tennessee win, but the Oregon win that Georgia had in week one is looking better and better, continues to look better and better because the Ducks still are on a roll right now. And we may see some changes this week with the Oregon Ducks ranking more so than we already have up to this point. But those are pretty much the main two reasons why I have Georgia taking over the top spot. Uh, I guess I'm going to address number two and number three together because they're mainly because they're both teams from the same conference, that conference being the Big Ten and those teams being number two, Ohio State, and number three, Michigan. At least that's what they're ranked in the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast rankings. Uh, they, Ohio State and Michigan are ranked two and three respectively, and the reason that is, is because Ohio State, of course, manages to find ways to keep winning. And, of course, another thing that helped out Ohio State's case, in my mind, yesterday, was Notre Dame's victory over fourth-ranked Clemson. And you may remember, in week one... Ohio State beat Notre Dame by a score of 21 to 10. So that sort of 
helps them out from a strength of schedule perspective in my mind. And you look at Michigan at number three, and the main reason that I put them at number three is because I do not think that, and they they do have some good wins. They knocked off uh, Penn State, obviously, a few weeks ago. Of course, Ohio State did as well, but the strength of schedule case is in terms of Ohio State's case is something that I would side with a little bit more than I would Michigan's because as I mentioned Notre Dame beat Clemson and Ohio State beat Notre Dame and so that's just the way that the math works out in my mind but So that's pretty much why I have Ohio State and Michigan ranked where they are. And, of course, and I really don't feel that I need to overemphasize this to you guys, but, of course, Ohio State does play Michigan the last week of the season, and so... The Big Ten Conference is going to, and not just the Big Ten Conference, but also the college football playoff rankings are going to sort themselves out by the time week 13 comes and goes. That is for sure. And so that is why I have Ohio State... And Michigan ranked at number two and number three. Now, when it comes to number four, I've actually had a little bit of a change of heart over the last hour, hour and a half, honestly, as I was getting ready for the show. Because I look at Texas Christian, and I see that they, of course, won yesterday, so they are now at 9-0, so you would think that I would immediately slot them in at number four, and again, at this time yesterday, I probably would have slotted them in at number four, but then... I look at the, and this is where the plenty of reasons for hope and optimism for Tennessee comes into play that I mentioned at the top of the show. This is where that comes into play now. I look at Tennessee's resume, despite the one loss to Georgia, I look at their resume and I see that they have five wins against teams ranked in the top 25. And so I compare that with 
Texas Christian's resume, and I see that Texas Christian does not have five wins against teams ranked in the top 25. And then I looked at the remaining schedule for both TCU and Tennessee. Here are TCU's remaining three games. Their remaining three games are next week they are at Texas. The week after that, they are at Baylor. And they close out the regular season at home against Iowa State. And, of course, I assume looking at the Big 12 standings that they would, of course, make it to the Big 12 championship game. And, of course, nobody has any idea how that could potentially play out. So that's TCU. And then I look over at Tennessee's remaining schedule for their next three games. And I see next week they are at home against Missouri. And then they close out the regular season with games at South Carolina and at the powerhouse, at least in the academic sense, that is Vanderbilt. And so I look at the possibility of Tennessee, knock on wood, winning all of those games, all three of those games, and I look at the possibility of TCU winning all three of their remaining games, and I see that TCU is potentially vulnerable at Texas next week especially, and nobody should be sleeping on Texas in that game by any means. And I also see that they're vulnerable the week after that against Baylor as well. And of course, if they lose, if they were hypothetically to lose either one of those games, and I think that there's a greater chance than not that they will, I look at the one loss that Tennessee has and the one loss that TCU potentially will have, and I take all of that into consideration. And I had to say to myself, you know what? For all of those reasons, and I completely understand that everybody is going to call me a homer. They are going to call me a spoiled Tennessee fan who is spoiled, 
who has been spoiled rotten over the course of the previous eight weeks. And you, they are going to call me a man who is currently bad, battling battered vol syndrome. But just looking at the resume and the next three games for both of these teams, I have to put Tennessee at number four. I have to do it. And, of course, even if Tennessee does not make it to the SEC championship game, and they, of course, after yesterday, no longer control their own destiny as far as that is concerned. Georgia is obviously in the driver's seat for the SEC East Division. And so I look at that being Tennessee's only loss and the potential that they have to go 11-1. and one. And even though they, of course, would not be playing in the SEC Championship game in this scenario... I still think that that one loss is going to be a better loss, lack of a better phrase, than any potential loss that TCU could have down the road. And again, as I mentioned, I do think that TCU is going to be vulnerable over the course of the next three weeks. And so that is why, and again, I'm completely prepared to take on the onslaught of criticism that will no doubt be coming my way as it relates to what my projections are. But just to run through my top four, the official Jim Bratton Sports Podcast Top four in the college football playoff rankings for the upcoming week. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Michigan. And number four, good old Rocky Top. Rocky Top, Tennessee. And... Another thing I will say about the case that Tennessee uh, can make for themselves as it relates to their hunt to be in that top four is what went on behind them. Excuse me. Obviously, you have Clemson, of course, as I mentioned, Losing to Notre Dame and Alabama finding a way to, or I should say LSU finding a way to beat Alabama in overtime 
in Death Valley last night. So, those two games really helped out Tennessee's case. And I guess just for argument's sake, much like I did last week, I'm going to release five, number five, number six, and number seven in my rankings after Tennessee at number four. I've, obviously, I would put TCU at number five with them being, of course, the only undefeated team that is left in the hunt, so to speak, as of right now, of course. And I mentioned that there is plenty of room for them to struggle over the next two or three weeks or so. So TCU would be at number five. The Oregon Ducks would be at number six because not only do they keep winning, but their strength their strength of schedule argument is being helped by the fact that Georgia keeps winning and are, of course, the number one team in the rankings. And, of course, that was their... That was Oregon's only loss so far on the year. And Oregon, of course, leads the Pac-12 conference as of right now. They're tied, I guess, with Southern Cal. And number seven would be LSU. And I understand that... LSU has two losses, but those two losses, of course, coming against Tennessee, obviously, who completely beat them down a few weeks ago, and Florida State, who beat them in week one of the season, and as I've mentioned before, on this show, you could make an argument that LSU could have possibly won that game, in theory. But those, especially the Tennessee loss, and also the fact that LSU now has wins over Alabama and Ole Miss, and now find themselves at the top of the heap in the SEC West, of course, holding tiebreakers over those two other teams, being Alabama and Ole Miss. Uh, LSU is now in a pretty strong position to be in play for that number seven spot, at least in my mind. And the one thing I will say, the one thing that sort of irritates me and makes me mad about LSU is that after last night's win over Alabama, I can no longer make fun of Brian Kelly for his fake 
southern accent. And so I've had really a lot of fun doing that ever since. Frankly, ever since he took the LSU job and the video of him faking that southern accent sort of went viral, came out. But after last night's LSU win over Alabama, I can no longer make fun of Brian Kelly. And at the end of the day, I guess I have to give Brian Kelly and the LSU family a lot of credit and tip the cap to the Tigers. And so, just to round out the official Jim Bratton Sports Podcast college football playoff top seven for the upcoming week, it is as follows. Number one, Georgia, number two, Ohio State, number three, Michigan, number four, Tennessee, number five, Texas Christian, number six, Oregon, and number seven, LSU. And with all of that being said, guys, I guess I'm going to have to hop off so that I can start to prepare for this Titans game that is going to be starting a little over half an hour from now. And so, of course, that's a very, that should be a very exciting game as well. I have a few question marks about the Titans offense and what it can do because over the past hour or so, I've gotten the alert that Malik Willis will be getting the start tonight against the Chiefs. And for any for any guy that's making his second career start in the NFL, it's going to be a tough task. But it's especially going to be tough, I think, for Malik Willis, especially since his second start is coming at of all of all the places Arrowhead Stadium which is not necessarily the quietest stadium in the NFL by any means matter of fact it's one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL which is going to make tonight even more tricky for Malik Willis and so we will, of course, have to see how that goes. It should be very interesting, but I guess I'd better hop off and start preparing for that. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning into tonight's Sunday special edition of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast. I very much appreciate it, and I'll see you soon.